Welcome back to one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, and uh, we are in it here. <laughs> we got yeah. about a week, uh, what, a week, eight days? We're recording eight days out from uh, round one of the NFL draft, so uh, I don't know. About to be I, on I the clock. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how much more changes between now and then, but uh, certainly still a lot to figure out with the Lions and the rest of the league. And um, Nick, I don't know, how are you feeling about uh, it? It feels like such a weird year because the 49ers already made that huge move up. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's still talk about other teams coming up. We don't know which quarterback's going three. I mean, there's just so much still up for grabs here. How are you feeling about things? There, There's still a lot of mystery. Before I get to that, though, there's not any mystery in the fact that I'm staring outside looking at snow on the ground on my oh unkempt my God, grass <laughs> here in late <laughs> April. Right? Always so. once in April, man. <laughs> Anyway, no, but there is, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I agree with you. I think it, it is a, I don't know what the word would be, but it feels a little different or it feels a little more interesting maybe than, I guess, maybe it, what it would have maybe last year. But no, I, I, it does seem like there's still some mystery here, at least in terms of how, I think we have a better idea, right? And then we did maybe two or three weeks ago, but I think there's still some mystery in terms of how the quarterbacks shake out. But also, like, I'm still hung up on like Cincinnati at five and like what they're going to do. I don't know. You know, I guess we kind of have an idea of maybe what Miami wants to do, but I think there's still a lot of mystery there. And it's, I don't know if we have any answers. I don't know if we have any like concrete ones or or how much uh, And I, I don't know when we say like how much will change from now till, till, you know, draft night or whatever. But like, we don't even really know exactly where. I feel like everyone's done a pretty good job of holding their cards, I guess. Yeah. I well, Atlanta, too. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Atlanta yeah. was just out at uh, the both pro days, I think. Kyle, uh, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Like, yeah. They could go Kyle Pitts. They could go wide receiver. I mean, they could trade down. That could be the spot where if Denver or New England right. or someone wants to go up, that could be the spot. And so it's really... Yeah, I mean, and three, I mean, I think we know it's quarterback at three, but (laughs) the 49ers, man, uh, like made this trade up and then we're like, well, I guess we should go see these guys. And now (laughs) they're just sort of rolling through every stop on the list trying to, you know, here's the, we want you to run these plays at your pro day and, you know, this is what what we want it to look like. Here's the quarterback's coach you should go work out with. And they're doing this with two or three guys. It's like, uh, you know they're recruiting, recruiting right. one, three five-star quarterbacks for one spot, and uh, so, yeah, so what? What made sense to me at the time, and I think we probably talked about this, right? Was like before all this got turned into fifteen ways sideways and everything else about Mac Jones and Justin Fields. But when the 49ers made that trade, like we talked about this being a possibility randomly in one of our conversations about the mock draft stuff with Detroit, like you could trade up to three just to make sure that you're getting the guy that you want outside of right. Fields and Wilson, which clearly is what they did here. Like, I mean, like, and I, I think that it's important to note that that's still like, you know, Fields and Lance also had extra pro days and the 49ers have been at all these places. Like, I don't think it's a guarantee at all that they take Mac Jones. I mean, they could absolutely still take Fields or Lance, which again, you know, turns this whole thing into, well, I don't know how it's all going to go. And it's a lot of it so much was those three quarterbacks. It was like, how are you going to sort, if you have a pick in the top 10, and you need a quarterback, like, how are you going to sort those three guys? Because if you don't have one or two, you're not getting Lawrence or Wilson. So what are you going to do with Fields, Lance, and Mac Jones? And so San Francisco says, we need a quarterback. We're going to go at three. And then whoever we decide by April, whatever, the day, that's who we're taking. I assume that's how it's going to go. But, like, you know, they're not going to tell anybody. And, like, I, I think that that's the the big mystery here. It, it still, to me, probably does start at three. And then, like you said, it moves down. Yeah, and I mean, I think Cincinnati's in a good spot uh, because they can, I mean, they could trade down if they want. They're not really a team that trades down, does a lot of trading Mm -hmm. historically, but, you know, they're looking at either you get one of those tackles or you get Jamar Chase or you get Kyle Pitts. I mean, they're in pretty good spot, but Atlanta has to be going a little bit crazy because I think the picture for them, like, I don't know that Mac Jones is on Atlanta's radar necessarily because you have Matt Ryan, like you've got a quarterback Mm -hmm. for the next year at least. And Mac Jones, you know, seems to be more the guy that you'd be taking if you think we need a starter week one. Uh, And so if the the 49ers take him and then Trey Lance or Justin Fields is sitting there for you at four, that's a different conversation than if, uh, you know, you're trying to decide between Mac Jones and one of those guys, because I, I think that's different for Atlanta and 
different maybe for Detroit too. I mean, if Mac Jones goes three, and we've talked about this before too, yeah. Mac Jones goes three, even if Atlanta takes one of those other guys, there's still a decent chance that one of them, you know, Stray, Trey Lance right. or Justin Fields is there at seven. <laughs> I don't so know what the Lions this, do with that. Yeah. Point. This happened to me in our beat writer mock draft uh, last night. Uh, like as we're recording, I, don't, I think this runs tomorrow. But like, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything here because we've done this three different times. <laughs> but like, uh, so it, we got through. We got the seven right. Nobody bid on any trades, and at the, for Detroit's pick, and I'm sitting there, and I was doing the pick last night, so I'm like, okay, you know, we have uh, Sewell still on the board, right? Uh, Chase went five, Pitts went six, and the quarterbacks were Lawrence. Wilson, Jones at three, Fields at four. So then it was five, Chase, six, Pitts. So you still had uh, Sewell and Lance. So I'm sitting there and saying to myself, like, now that's the question, right? That's one that pops up. If you're Detroit and you don't move and you're sitting there at seven and you have Pinay Sewell, who could be, you know, we've talked about this. I wrote about it earlier this week. Generational type tackle, possibly. You know, we've talked about the offensive line and how close it is. All the things and reasons why it'd be really hard to pass on him are, are there. And Slater, you know, from Northwestern, I think same thing. If you liked him better, I mean, I, I'd be willing to entertain that. Or you say, screw it. We're going to take Lance right now. We're just going to do it. And we're going to, we're going to, in two or three years, he's going to be our starter. And that's what we're going to do. I mean, I took Sewell, but Chris, I'm, I'm asking you, like, what, what do you do there? I don't know. I guess it's yeah. going to depend on your evaluation <laughs> of Lance, but like, you're going to maybe have to be okay with saying we're passing on Trey Lance. Like, that's a conversation that is going to have to happen if you're taking Sewell in that scenario. Right. And I, this same thing happened to me. I think I took, and we the last time we did the beat writer mock, I think was maybe a month ago. So, yeah. Uh, right. And I think I took Jalen Waddle, but I had the same situation to some extent where I couldn't trade down, basically. I think quarterbacks went one, two, three, four. Mac Jones was the only QB left. So, it, was, it wasn't, I wasn't deciding mm-hmm. between Lance and, you know, someone. Uh, Elsa lead and Sewell was five. So, you know, it was Slater, Waddle, you know, Smith, all those guys, Parsons. Um, but it was the same. I, I, I don't know how much, <laughs> you know, we're obviously just doing this uh, amongst ourselves, amongst yeah, the beat writers right. here. Like we're not in the, in the rooms, but that's twice in a row. Now we've tried to trade out of that seven spot and no one really wants to come up. Uh, well, I would so also I, add that number eight got traded in this third well, draft last right. night, well, and that's the difference. So, know. like, <laughs> I think for – but I think for the Lions, like, that's been the thing that I've wondered about, where it's like Carolina can still trade that pick at eight, and, you know, if if you're looking for something one inch less than what Detroit's going to ask for you, you can always do that. So I do – you know, we've talked about that too. Like, that could absolutely impact their ability to trade down, but it's still like you could be in a situation where – you're going to just maybe have to pass on one of these guys if you don't if you're yeah. not ready and I just that's that's a bridge they're going to have to cross. Right. And to back to your question about Lance, oh, yeah, I mean, sorry. I think that that's really um that's really I mean, there's a lot of things we don't know about how the Lions are going to approach this draft, but that's probably the biggest one, you know, is there one guy here that sort of changes their thinking because I think just from what we've heard from them from sort of how they've operated this offseason you know, one of the Dan Campbell, like immediately the at his introductory press conference at the one on one he did with the with us right after, mm-hmm. like he said, we have to be absolutely like over the moon with a quarterback to take a quarterback right. this year because we don't have a foundation in place. That's we right. have to get the foundation, then we have to go get the quarterback. Is there a guy that changes that conversation for them? I think that's the yeah. biggest question right now. You know, is Lance or Justin mm. Fields or whomever? A guy that you say, all right, well, we have to switch the plan a little bit here because we're not going to get a crack at this guy again yeah, right. next year, two years from now. We have to have a guy like this right now. Let him sit, whatever. We'll let him compete with Goff. I don't know. I mean, Trey Lance, I think you can make a case that Trey Lance is that guy or Justin Fields is that guy. Yes. But, you know, that's a it's obviously not an easy leap to make to think you're a team that's in complete rebuild mode. You're coming off, you know, winning eight games over the past two seasons. You've switched everything in the organization and you're going to draft what essentially would be a backup quarterback for at least a year, uh, passing on some of those other guys we talked about, passing on maybe an all pro offensive tackle, uh, maybe a new number one receiver, maybe you're your starting linebacker for the next decade like there's this is tough and again we keep we keep sort of 
you know, skipping over the answers to this because I don't know that there really is a good one. I mean, either yeah. way, you're getting a really good prospect who's exciting, and either way, you're leaving someone on the board that you might get, <laughs> you might regret right. leaving on the board in five years. So I don't know. And maybe the trade down is the solution to that. Maybe you just say, well, forget it. We got to get the picks. Let's take as many picks as we can get. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the way forward here. But I don't know. I mean, if it's if you're sit, let's pretend you're Brad Holmes. Is yep. there is there a quarterback there? Like, are you crossing your fingers that it's Lance or Fields or Mac Jones, or are you, you're just sort of looking at quarterback as a whole right now? Well, I mean, you know, and this is you said it best right there a second ago when you were like, one of these guys is going to have to change their mind or change their whatever, and like that probably is how I would assume they went into this, right? Like, I think that you're on it there when you say that, you know, when Campbell said the same thing a couple times about, you know, we have to be in love with a quarterback here if we're going to take one. It has to be like a no question about it guy. So at this point, I kind of feel like, you know, it's like, you know, Chris and I have gone through a lot of these scenarios, but I almost feel like, hey guys, we can't, we can't guide you anymore. Like now it's up to whatever <laughs> Brad Holmes and Dave right, Campbell yeah. think about these guys. I mean, like for me, for me, yeah, if Justin Fields fell to seven, I I don't know if I would be able to pass on him. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I'd be able to say, Okay, I'm good because you're looking at next year too, right? You're looking at Slovis and you're looking at Howell at North Carolina. And you could even look further. You could even go deeper into that and say, you know, go if you're Holmes and Campbell. Like, let's look at the sophomores in college right now and see mm-hmm. if, you know, if, if there's somebody in there that we're like, you know, we've got capital to do anything we want really in these next two drafts in theory. So is someone going to change your ability to go down the road is there going to be anybody else that's going to come along and if you don't think so or if you're not convinced of it and I got to tell you I mean I know that there's questions about Justin Fields' processing and all this other stuff but like let's not act like that's something that can't be developed in time let's not act like that's something that is something a quarterback is born with and can never uh understand or develop again he runs a 4-4 he's a physical uh, he does every, you know, he can do everything. He can make all the throws, everything else. I think he's better with his head than most people seem to realize. If he was there, I don't think I could pass on him. But I'm not the general manager of the Lions, so like, it's really at this point going to be, like we said, the whole draft. I think for Detroit starts with the conversation still right now of um, what do you think of Lance Fields or I suppose Mac Jones in this conversation now. Like the whole thing has to start with that, and then whatever determination they make, you go from there. That's to. From where I'm sitting, that's the like the only way they can kind of go about this thing is you make a decision on what you want to do with those quarterbacks, which is pass or pick. And then once you've made that decision, you go from, okay, now we'll go, you know, survey the rest of the board as it goes. And I'm I mean, is there one the for same. you too? Yeah, right. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Fields a ton. I'm, so I was going to say, I'm sort of in the same boat with Trey Lance. Like the, I look at him, mm-hmm. he's a guy who's going to be 21 on May right. 9th, I think, whatever his birth date is. And but right after the draft, 21 this offseason. Uh, he's got a huge arm. He's yeah, got, you know, he he look, he's look. he got the great mobility. I mean, he looks like the types of quarterbacks that we've seen come into this league in the past few years and have success. I'm not going to say he's Patrick Mahomes, but the way this, this league is moving, you kind of need this guy. I mean, you, sure, you can go win with a Jared Goff. You can go win with a Matthew Stafford. You can probably win some games with a Mac Jones, but... The league is moving towards guys like Trey Lance and Justin Fields and and just the the upside of Trey Lance and to have Jared Goff in place, man, that's yeah. that's one for me that I would – it'd be a tough 10 minutes on the clock. I'll say that. And at the same time, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's one – one guy that's going to help you here, even at quarterback. And maybe, right. so maybe the answer is maybe you float that pick to New England and say, give mm-hmm. us a first, give us a second. Like we need to have as many cracks at this thing as possible. They've only got, I mean, they have the extra first over the next two years, but they've only got six picks this year. You're not turning yeah. this thing around with six draft picks. I don't care who you take at number no, seven. No, so, no, 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 no. Uh, maybe you feel more comfortable with eight or nine or 10 picks. And and that's the way the, they go. I but. would say the thing that changes it a little bit for me has been Sewell falling down the board. Um, you know, if we yeah. were still sitting here months ago and in, in another alternate universe or whatever, and the reality was that Sewell was going to go like in the top, it wasn't even going to be a question, right? Like then my answer would have been like, if you don't have a quarterback there, then you need to do everything you can to get out of that pick. <laughs> like you can't, you know, like you just need to trade it down because you need picks, right? Like, but Sewell 
is the one where it's like he would be very difficult to pass on, I think. Like that would be one right now for their situation, like you said, Chris. I mean, all the things they need going forward. Um, and we've been over the scenarios with the offensive line. Like, that's one where I'm like, man, he's really good. And uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you hate to look down the road in like five years and be like, boy, we could have had five time 25 year old Pro Bowler Penny School on the <laughs> yeah, right, right side right. of our yeah, line. Right. And we don't. And now it's a mess, you know? <laughs> so, like, that's kind of something that I'm like, I don't know if I want to pass on him either. So, Sewell's. Sewell being there for me, you know, that once that became kind of a thing where we saw the board shift where it was like, that could be a reality. That was the one where I was like, I don't know if they're going to be able to pass on him. And Slater, it's like, he's not far behind. I mean, to be fair. So there's two really good tackles there. And, you know, I love Waddle and I love Chase too, but like those tackles are so good. And the Lions right now, all the things they need, like offensive line is the closest to being what we would consider, you know, Truly, truly above average in the NFL. And I think that that's something they could get taken care of right now if they did that. Yeah, and Chase too. I mean, they basically have to go into this day next Friday or next uh, Thursday with like four different boards up. You know, (laughs) like here's Mm -hmm. what happens if this guy goes for Here's what happens if Chase is there. Here's what happens if Sewell's there. Here's what we want to do if Lance is, or Fields is there. I mean, they basically have to prepare for all this different type of stuff because I do think it is – you know, I I don't know. I mean, we obviously don't know how they are differentiating between Sewell, mm-hmm. Pitts, Lance, Fields. I mean, just even saying those names out loud, like this has the potential. Obviously, you know, a lot of draft classes look good the week before the draft, but this has the potential to be a really special oh my God. draft. Yeah. <laughs> like the top 10 in this class these, oh. is absurd. If these quarterbacks weren't here, those three guys would be one, two, and three. Like that's how right yeah absolutely that's how this would go yeah in any combination you want to do it but that's how it would go they're the three best non-quarterback prospects in this draft and you're going to get one of them at seven you are almost at this point it's not a guarantee but like we're starting to it's starting to feel like it's likely that you're going to get one of those three at seven which Yeah. yeah you can't argue with that value and then again, you know, as we've talked about before, you're also trying to weigh this against what's going to be there when you have an extra, when you have a pick in round two, high in round two, when you have two picks in round three, because, you know, I did our, uh, the full mock for the entire NFL um, earlier, yeah. whenever it was, last week for our site. And I had them trade back with New England, and they had a couple of options there. I think I, I took uh, Vera Tucker, the offensive lineman yep. from USC. Which, you know, mid-round, you've got him. You've got Christian Derrissaw. I mean, there's guys down there. Uh, I think Parsons maybe was still yep. on the board at that point. Devontae Smith, that, you know, seems like he might be available. He's be- sliding. As yep. we talk about his weight every day. Um, <laughs> but we've talked about, too, like, this is – you can go get a starting offensive tackle at the top of round two if you want a starting offensive tackle. You can get a wide receiver who can be one of your top two wide receivers at the start of round Mm -hmm. two. And that's, again, you know, not to sort of rehash what we've talked about on past shows, but that's part of the conversation too. You know, where do you feel most comfortable with the rest of this class? Because if you Mm -hmm. love the depth of this offensive line class, maybe you don't spend seven on Panay Sewell because you can use that elsewhere and then go get Two, two, two linemen in this draft who can plug and play. So uh, I don't know. And that, you know, that's always a challenge. But I think especially as we look at this class, like some of the needs for the Lions certainly line up with some of that stuff that's going to be there, to, you know, round two, three, four. Uh, and I yeah. don't know how much that I mean, do, do you take that into account? How much do you take that into account? I guess like if you're looking at this, we've talked about those guys that could be there at tackle mm-hmm. in the 30s. Yeah. Do you take that into account at seven, or are you just taking the best guy at seven, regardless I, of what I would, else might yeah. be there? I, I would take it into account um, for sure. You know, knowing that Sewell is probably the best one on the board, but also I think that that's an interesting one along with safety. Uh, when we talked about this, I think in the last time we did one of these mock exercises, where it was just like for for me, like waiting beyond the top of the second round for a tackle. I you could wait to the third. I don't know how much longer I'd go beyond that. Like that's one where I don't know if I'd be real comfortable. The safety one, I guess, is the bigger one where it's like I don't know how comfortable I get even after like the second round sometimes because some of those guys have been going so higher or so much higher. But no, it's definitely a consideration because I think that when you're looking at all the things that you would realistically say you think they probably need to address in this draft, right? So it's like 
They need to come out of here with a linebacker who can run, a safety who can play in the box and cover, um, and a tackle. I mean, I, those are the three things I think that you have to get good players. At the, those are when I'm going through all this because I think you can get a good receiver. You could wait, you know, in this draft and get a pretty good receiver if you wanted to. I don't know if you want to wait forever, but like those are the three areas where I'm kind of like. And you could add defensive tackle in there too and, and say like, you don't want to wait forever on those four, I would say. Offensive tackle, defensive tackle, safety, linebacker. You need to get three of those four pretty much taken care of, I think, in this draft. Uh, and I think you can, but you can't wait forever. And those are the three positions that I've sort of circled this whole time and saying like, you got to make sure you address this. You can't screw around and say like, well, I, I want to wait and see if this guy lasts or whatever. Like if there's a guy at one of those spots right now, I think, and, and they like him, they got to go. And I think that that's sort of been my approach to it. I don't know if it'd be the same for, for yours or theirs. I, I have no idea, but like, that's yeah. definitely something to to take into account too. with the quarterback too. If you, if you randomly took a quarterback, then like that puts pressure on every pick from there on out to make sure that you're not missing any windows, you know, because they can't afford to miss windows on some guys because they do have premium picks in this draft and they got to make, you know, take advantage of the best of it they can. Yeah, just for reference sake, I guess, Dame Brugler, you know, his, you can get his uh, incredible draft guide on oh, our yeah. site, uh, but it's his, he just released his top 300 big board about an hour or two before we started recording here mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday. And just for as we're talking, the Lions are in, you know, that, that mid-30s range, late-30s range on uh, day two. His 34 to 40... On Dane's board are uh, Alex Leatherwood, the offensive lineman from Alabama, yeah. Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, Jamin Davis, Kentucky linebacker, Greg, Gregory Russo, the edge from Miami, uh, Sam Cosme, tackle from Texas, Nick Bolton, linebacker from Missouri, and Richie Grant, safety from Central Florida. The Lions could use any of those players of <laughs> as a <Yeah>. starter <laughs> next year. You could take any one of those guys and plug him into the lineup, and he'd be an improvement over what they have. So, right. That's what we're talking about here on day two. And so, again, you know, maybe your best move is to go to 15 or go to wherever and get another day two pick and just yeah. take three starters instead of one potentially franchise guy. I don't know. It's it's a really tough conversation. It's got to work. But, yeah. like, You're right, yes, right. all avenues in that obviously have to be explored until it can be exhausted. But, like... That would be ideal. I mean, you you look at Dane's big board. I got it up here. They've got uh, he's got JOK from Notre Dame at fifteen, and he's got Ojolari at sixteen. I don't know if Ojolari lasts that long, but like either of those guys at fifteen or sixteen would be pretty good. And you could still, like you said, address tackle, receiver, both maybe. You know, in, in the second round. I mean, like, what are we talking about? So like, that's that's probably ideal. But like, do you think that that can? Ha- I mean, what are your what what's your confidence level right now that they're gonna be able to do that trade? Because it's dwindled, you know, over time. I, I wouldn't yeah. say mine's like run out of the sand, hasn't run out of the hourglass, but it, it does feel like it's now, you know, as we get closer here, it feels like it's finally getting tougher, maybe. Yeah. Well, that that's a good, uh, I'll answer by transitioning us into, oh, we perfect. asked for some of your podcasts or for your questions for this podcast so we could go through some of them uh, ahead of the draft here. And uh, one that we got was, you know, assuming the Lions can trade back in round one, what's a realistic deal for pick seven? You know, how far down do they go? Um, and so I think that that's really what we're talking about here because yeah. I, I do think that there's an opportunity to trade. There might be an opportunity to trade out, but I also think that we always talk about this like it's easier than it it probably is to trade down. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened last year, to be honest. Uh, I, no, I think right. – Bob Quinn talked for months about, you know, the rumors were that they were going to try and get out of that pick for months and it just never happened. And then we saw two quarterbacks get selected pretty quickly after that. So yeah, kind of go back and wonder why they couldn't move. Um, and it, you know, it was guys that had two, obviously had the injury concerns. People were sort of, uh, hot and cold on Justin Herbert, but right. This year feels different because we're talking about, you know, the fourth or fifth quarterback at number seven and the Lions having a chance to move. I mean, if they go to 15, uh, you know, if they're going to 10, nine, I guess, with Denver, um, you know, you're maybe getting what, like a third back. I don't think you're getting a ton to go from seven to nine, seven to 10. Um, Probably not. Yeah. But if you go down to New England's pick, um, like I said, I made that trade for him in the in the mock I just did. I had him getting back fifteen, 
New England gave him a, I think it was a third rounder this year and a second rounder next year. And people told me that wasn't enough. So I think if you want two firsts, I don't know if New England's the team you're going to be trading with if you're trying to get multiple firsts. That just doesn't seem like the Patriots' MO to be given out uh, multiple right. firsts. But that's probably the ceiling. You get another first rounder for next year, the year beyond. I, I mean, again, I think if you go to the teens in this draft and you get an extra day two pick and you get another pick next year that's pretty high. That's decent value on that thing uh, if you're sort of yeah. on the fence at number seven and you just want the quantity. Um, there is one thing that I've thought about with their trade potential here, and it involves Carolina because, like, let's say that Sewell comes up at seven, right, and he's there. Yep. And the Lions say, put out the old back signal and say, like, okay, like, we're going to do this. And another team says, why would I do it with you? Because I could just trade with Carolina. Well, why wouldn't Carolina just say, screw it, we're taking Sewell, we're not trading? Because he's a possible generational t- I think that's possible and so I think that when I look at all these scenarios of like how are you going to be able to get a trade because to me you look at this and you're like well you know it'd be easier to just do it with Carolina than Detroit if but like you you know I I don't know I mean there's a different there's a bunch of different ways to look at it but like do we think it's possible I guess I you know that's the that's the hardest question I mean it's interesting for me too because I think we spend 99% of the time talking about quarterback trades but mm-hmm. Sewell's a guy a team would trade up for Kyle think. Pitts is a guy someone would trade up for yeah. Chase if he gets past Cincinnati uh and Miami I mean maybe you're not getting a haul like you would for trading back if you're dangling a quarterback but uh, those are guys that if you really want to get out of that spot I think so uh I think you could probably get some value there and just slide back a few picks and maybe get something so I uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, like, to me, 15, we've talked about this too, you know, 15 to New England seems yeah. like it, it It makes some sense. You know, beyond that, like, 19 to Washington, I don't think you're trading it to Chicago at 20. Like, that's, you're talking about a pretty big drop. You're talking about mm-hmm. going into that second tier of guys for sure in this class. And then, you know, you kind of the risk reward, I don't know, is there for you, but, um, I would think 15 is sort of the floor for it. Yeah, I would think, probably. you know, like multiple day two picks coming back uh, if you can't get the extra first. And then I don't know. I don't know that it really changes the focus other than away from quarterback probably on where they would go with things. I think you're still looking best player available and you're still talking about those same positions. You mentioned Wusa Koromora. Um, I talked about Vera Tucker and Derisau. I think you're more into a range where you could get uh, – like a safety even consideration. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if 15 is kind of high, but maybe you start thinking about it. Um, so yeah, I this team needs everything. That's the right. good and bad of it headed into this draft. Like you need, you could take anything and make it have a justification for it. That is the best way to look at it because it's like it, so much of it's going to just come down to, you know, their scouting evaluations and all the things we talked about in the winter about, you know, Brad Holmes's reputation as a guy who can find, you know, value late and how he plays the board. And I think that that'll be sort of a fascinating, obviously, thing to to watch as we go. You want to go to some of these questions here, though, before we... I got yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, you got you got one you want to start with? Yeah, we can start. Let me just pick, pick some. This one here. Um, let's see. This is a tougher one. Um, <laughs> Matt, let's Well, let's just do it anyway. Um, from Magic, he says, can you guys get into particular types of player traits at need positions that the Lions will look to target uh, to match scheme? Uh, examples would be coverage, athletic, and rangy, ETC, uh, more so than size, tackling for a safety, somebody who can play in zone or cover one, anything like that. So uh, I think basically the question is, is like, we don't know much about the schemes and the styles of what they want to play, but we do know maybe a little bit. So I guess, is there anything that you've looked at? In that sense, maybe maybe you could take that even to like you know things the Lions need in terms of traits, I guess, at certain positions. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned linebacker. Like, I think we can just mm-hmm. sort of universally say they need to be more athletic. There, right. um, it, it is a little tougher to pin down what this defense is going to look like. I mean, Aaron Glenn uh, sort of mentioned coming up, uh, like knowing the Bill, learning the Bill Parcells system, which I don't know that they're going to run that exactly. I mean, that would look right sort of similar to what they were doing not exactly similar but you're not exact yeah, but it'd be similar right. to what they were doing under Matt Patricia last year uh I think it was uh Matt Bone um over at ESPN uh tweeted out that they uh you know the Saints ran more uh two-man 
mm-hmm. coverage than any other team in the league, which, you know, the cover two man. And I think the old regime yeah. called it cover five, but you know, just the, uh, um, you know, two safeties high and then you play in man underneath that. Right. And that would make some sense with, uh, and that's, if that's what you're going to lean into heavily, that obviously changes. You need those, you know, you obviously need man coverage guys on the outside. You need, again, you need coverage guys in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, but you don't necessarily need as much, you know, huge range if you're going to play with two safeties high as opposed to, you know, one high and one of those box guys. But I, I think we're also planning on them doing a lot of three safety stuff. I do think this is going to be multiple, not multiple the way, you know, Matt Patricia right. used that term where it was like right, different yeah, yeah. personnel, you're, you're but the same exact split, thing yeah. every time. Right. <laughs> you know, it was basically the same thing. I mean, I for me personally, I think the one thing I would like to see and I think would help this team be more competitive defensively is I'd like to see them get um, more one-gapping type guys up front yes, uh, as I opposed to too. just like the you know sit-and-plant nose-tackle types. Like They need to have some guys who can – who can penetrate and uh, disrupt things inside um, from the defensive tackle spot. But again, so that's, I guess to answer the question personally, that's what I'd be looking for uh, in this draft. You know, can you find some one gapping guys who can get to the quarterback inside? Can you find an athletic coverage linebacker? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, you know, at safety, I think you're just sort of looking for, as we've seen, you know, the Dean Marlowe signing, like you're looking for some versatility, just some, if you want to mix and match those defenses, you can, because they, in theory, they thought they had that with Will Harris, I guess, and mm-hmm. uh, J. Ron they Durst didn't. and those yeah. guys, but they <laughs> right. didn't. I mean, there wasn't I, a versatile yeah. group. I, I, I think I would say, I would agree with you that we'll probably see more split safety stuff um, from this group, but it's also important to note that, you know, NFL defenses, my God, they change, they run everything. It's, you know, it's in terms of scheme and what they want to do, it, it can vary quite a bit based on what you have. But no, it's mostly about, I would say, on the back end, you're looking for Certainly someone who's got the ability to play in the box. Like I, I wouldn't be interested in just like a strictly free safety up high. I mm-hmm. would want someone who can play in the box and help with the run. But also, like you said, Chris, like you're looking for versatile safeties. Because, like you know, Tracy Walker, they tried to play him some in the box last year. I don't know how much. You know, it's probably not his strong suit. But he can do it. It's not like something he can't do. So you could be a little more versatile keeping two safeties on the field, let him move around. But they both have to be good. You know, they both have to be premium. They can't be projects, I guess, uh, so to speak. And then, yeah, linebacker, it has to be somebody who can run and cover. And then really to just get it all right down to it, they need more guys who can win one-on-ones on defense. Like, that's it. Like you said, the the one-gap stuff, but also just guys on the edge who can just go beat a guy. Like, I mean, just go beat somebody. Like, go beat a double, maybe, too. You know, I mean, go do something. Win a one-on-one, <laughs> go please. Go do something. That's for it. the love of God. Like, yeah. that's what it is. You need playmakers. The way they built this defense under Patricia was to just, like, they did not put, as, as as we saw, they did not put any premium on athletic playmakers. They put a premium on a bunch of guys who were going to do exactly what they told them to do without questioning it. And, of course, you know, this is the real world, and that doesn't work. So, like, you're left with a bunch of guys who are athletically challenged and yeah, you need more guys who can win one one on ones because that's football. Like that's the NFL in 2021. And really that's what it's always been. But like at those impact positions, you know, edge uh, inside and on the back end, you got to have guys that can win one on ones because that's what we've talked about. You're getting killed by tight ends who can beat your safeties and linebackers. You're getting killed by offensive lines and any team really who can just line up and just push and lean on you and knock you over. You never get to the quarterback. So those are the things you know, that you're looking for. You're just, you're looking for explosion basically on the defensive side. And then I would also add offensively, because we get this question some too with the tackle, um, you know, cause I actually had somebody yesterday say, well, if they draft Sewell, you know, wouldn't they just move him to left tackle and make Decker play right tackle? And, you know, when I've looked at the tackles, I think it's important to note that what you're looking for, I think is a right tackle because Decker, I don't think is a right tackle. I don't know why you'd move him to right tackle. And I had somebody ask me, could Decker ever be a guard? And no, like, I don't think Taylor Decker is ever going to be a guard in the NFL. I think he's too long and everything else. A left tackle. He's a left tackle. I think in that situation, it can't just be somebody who maybe he can play right tackle. If you're going to take a tackle, it has to be somebody, you know, who can be a people mover, somebody that, you know, has good size, good power. And I would also say good feet because Anthony Lynn's run game, I think, is going to work a lot on the edge and, and be pretty versatile. So athletic right tackle would be the offensive line area that I would be pointing at here. 
Yeah, and I just to sort of wrap up that question defensively, like again, we're trying to figure out if the Brad Holmes, you know, draft strategy is going to look exactly like the less need draft strategy yeah. with Brad Holmes helping him, or if it's going to be Good something point. completely different. But I would say one thing that the Rams have become sort of famous for um, is that you know we're paying all this attention to forty times and three cones and all that, and they are not really doing that. You know, when we talk right. about, well, we got to go get a fast safety or a rangy safety. That's not really something that the Rams have been looking for. And they found, you know, some of these steals that they've gotten later in the draft at linebacker at safety have been guys that maybe didn't test through the roof, but were our smart defenders and, mm-hmm. and read the game well and, and just understand it. And so, um, you know, that's maybe one spot where Holmes can, can try to break away from the pack a little bit and also where you know when we're talking about well what you know what traits are they looking for uh I think a lot of them is going to be stuff that we can't really diagnose because if we've talked about before you know we're not in the meeting rooms with these guys we can't see what they're like on the board we're not talking to all of their coaches about how they are in the locker room so um I think that that's going to play a factor here you're not just drafting you know well which which five safeties ran the best you know, mm-hmm. short shuttle like that's not who how they're going to do this so no um and i think that it, maybe that gives you an opportunity to swoop in and steal some guys late as as i said we've seen the Could. rams do that so um all right let me uh let me pick one out here we can get to another question um <clears throat> uh this one sort of spins us back into the offense uh from greg martin who would you guess plays swat slot wide receiver next year do you think they'll dedicate one of their draft picks to a wide receiver who specializes in operating out of the slot i would think um you know you don't have agnew anymore you're not bringing back amandola um cephas i don't think is i mean i guess he could uh but i would think williams would be an outside guy who am i missing here they and then uh, perriman's probably an outside guy too so i would think they would be a draft pick right I would think that that's maybe possible somewhere. Yeah, there. I mean, I, we've sort of talked about them needing to to pick up a slot guy in the draft for like four years. Now. <laughs> um, right. So yes, I mean, I think it's probably on their list of things they'd like to accomplish. But again, this is also sort of uh, you know the one of these curiosities of what this is going to look like. Are we going to see a bunch of like? Are yeah. they going to move Hawkinson out there? Are they going to use Hunter Bryant in the slot? Right. Um, they've already talked about playing DeAndre Swift there more. Uh, I, I don't know. And I, I was watching through, um, Tyrell Williams stuff and, and Brashad Perriman stuff. And Williams actually has a more diverse game, I guess, than I mm-hmm. thought he did in my head. <laughs> you yeah. know, he's a guy that, they, yeah, he's not just the deep guy. That's true. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Um, they used him in the slot a little bit in, in, uh, with the chargers. They, uh, had him run some of the, I mean, some of the crossing routes that he ran and caught mm-hmm. balls over the middle. It's sort of reminiscent of marvin jones uh doing his thing in traffic so i mean i think that there's some options there but that's i think at minimum you've got to pick a guy who can can step over and play there you know like you yeah said i want Cephas. a guy to I do think both Cephas yeah, probably right. can do that like yeah, Cephas is more in like the big slot you know almost range where he's not like a super shifty right super fast guy but he can sort of body up people there. I, I think they need to have one of those. Whether Maybe it is just moving Swift there and playing him in the slot a bunch more. But I think you really need one of those uh, sort of zone breaker guys in that spot. Uh, yes. So I don't know if that's the draft or what. But I, I do think they need to. I don't know that the starting, you know, quote unquote, slot wide receivers on the roster yet. I think that you want guys like you look at guys like Amari Rogers um, uh, at Clemson. And what's Amari like? Five ten, five eleven, something yep. like that. Like, and he's fast enough to play in the slot, but he's also good enough to play outside. Like Eskridge from Western Michigan is another one. He's five nine. Maybe he's a little shorter, but like he's five nine, one eighty five. Pretty strong kid. Like he's definitely gonna be able to play in the slot. But like some of the slot stuff, some of the point there is like if you're playing outside, you're gonna have to be more physical, right, to get off of press and everything else. Often in the slot, you're not dealing with that. So like that's part of the thing with some of these smaller guys is like, well, they can get off a release easier or whatever. But like, I think what you're looking for, if you can find it, you know, and this is why, again, like we go back to this every single time, like if you trade back and you can get an extra pick in the second or third, and you can get one of these guys yeah. like Amari Rogers, like, okay, we'll do that. Like, because that would take care of it. Because then you'd have a situation where, like you said, Williams could probably play X, Y, or Z. Uh, Perriman 
can probably play... Yeah, you can probably play all three, I would think. And then the same thing with Cephas. And you're probably... Really what you want there is another guy who could realistically play somewhere on the outside, but also in the slot. And you also, keep in mind, you have Swift, you have Hawkinson, you have Jamal Williams, and you have Hunter Bryant on the roster, who could also move around and do everything else. So really what you're looking for, and you go all the way back to the start, when Dan Campbell talked about on his opening press conference about the offense they want to run before they hired Anthony Lynn, or maybe they had already hired, I can't remember. But it was like, we're going to do whatever, you know, whatever matchups work best for our roster is what we're going to do because that's how it goes in the NFL. And like, you're just looking for versatile guys who can do the most things possible without having to come off the field. Like, I think that's how I look at drafting and acquisitions and everything else these days, especially at a position like receiver. You want guys that can do everything. I mean, like, that's the easiest way for me to say it. Sometimes it doesn't work that way, but like, that's really what you're looking for. Yeah, and I do think, you know, slot receiver, if you're going specifically for a slot receiver, like that's a guy you could get in the mid-rounds. You know, Brad Holmes talked about uh, yeah. that Rams turnover with their uh, their receiver core in in one offseason. And, you know, Cooper Cup was a big part of that, and he's a guy mm-hmm. that's sort of like what we're talking about. You play him outside, great. But if you want him to run inside, he can, he can yep. get open against those slot corners. I think there are some guys that are pretty interesting in that, uh, around three, four range, like Cade, uh, uh, Cade Johnson from uh, yep. Good one. Uh, South Dakota State, like another small school guy. Like he's probably a slot. You mentioned Eskridge. Um, like if you're comfortable well, the kid with from two, North two, Texas, two, 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 at, two, yeah. two at well weighing 150 mm-hmm. pounds. Yeah, J- Jalen Darden. Like Darden, there's a bunch yeah. of those guys. And I think, you know, like – uh, I, I said I don't know that they're not paying attention to just 40 times. They're not paying attention to just testing. But we have seen that they – at least on offense so far this offseason, it seems like speed is going to be something of a priority in yeah. guys that they're bringing in. Uh, they want to have guys who can who can get downfield and who can sort of challenge you uh, running laterally. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick up one of those guys. But, yeah, I don't think the starting slot, quote-unquote, is on the roster at the moment because there just isn't Guys. You don't have that guy. You don't have that game-breaking guy, but you also don't really have the Amendola type who's just going to go eight yards and sit down and, and be a reliable mm-hmm. option right. for you. You, right. you need one or the other, probably. I would agree with that. Uh, we got one from Andy. Uh, if the Lions can add a starting quality right tackle and a true number one receiver uh, to their roster, how, how would you rank that offense in 2021, I assume he's talking about, with Jared Goff as your quarterback? So if you can get a right tackle... A starting right tackle, a good one. So let's say no later than round two. And then a true number one receiver, which I would assume would be, again, like your your first two picks would be, in Andy's world, uh, tackle receiver. Where are you ranking the offense if you can get two legit dudes there? In the NFL construct or whatever, I guess, at current moment. Uh, man. I mean, I think it would have an opportunity to be an above average offense, but we're still talking. I, as much as I think... Williams yeah. can be productive and Perriman can be productive and maybe they get someone who can be there with Hawkinson at tight end and be productive. There's a lot of things that we still need to figure out about this offense moving forward. You're <laughs> counting on some guys at wide receiver who haven't been able to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly the picture changes if you get whatever the whatever the setup would be, Sewell and then yeah, right, whichever the wide line. receiver you like in round two or Chase and then – Leatherwood or something. Leatherwood, right? like that's right. pretty good to get Chase and Leatherwood. That'd be, oh yeah, that'd be pretty good. Uh, that's not bad. <laughs> you know, you could do yep. a lot of stuff like Chase to have Chase Hawkinson, Swift and Williams in the backfield, and then those vertical threats in William Tyrell Williams and uh, Perriman. You should be able to put up some points if Jared Goff is even just a functional mm-hmm. quarterback. Uh, and I think Anthony Lynn will probably call a decent game as their coordinator. So yeah, I mean, I think they could be. An above average offense if you add those two pieces, but um, you know, it's sort of as we've cautioned everyone along the way with everything that's happened this offseason, I don't know that it even in taking chase and a tackle or whatever the setup would be, I don't yeah. know that you're coming in week one and lighting the world on fire because you're moving a ton of pieces no. around here from where this thing was last year. So I I don't know. Like how I guess I, it's, it's sort of two parts. Like would how where would you see him this year, but then how big of an impact would that have two or three years from now as they get closer to finishing the rebuild? Right. That's the thing. I would sort of 
part it down a little more and say that if you were able to do that, like if you were able to get Chase and Leatherwood or Sewell and, you know, Elijah Moore or somebody, I don't know, whatever. Um, offensive line-wise, I think your run game would be uh, way better than... If you could get that other guard spot solved too, I guess, would be, you know, I shouldn't overlook that. But I think your run game by the end of the season, if health were to cooperate, would be something that people would notice as like, whoa, this is improved, right? Like this is, I, I think that your run game would be in the top half of the league uh, and climbing. And I think that the offense, who knows, right? Like the overall like bottom line, what I think if you can get it, <laughs> right. yeah. if you can get it toward the middle, if you're going to invest your first two picks this year on on those on those spots and by the end of the season, if your offense is somewhere in the middle, I think you're probably okay with that, you know, as it's going, you know, and then you build forward what you have and build off any momentum or whatever else. But to me, I, I sort of say that the pass game stuff is still something that I'm not ready to give an answer on, like, where is this going to go or whatever until until we feel more comfortable about making a, you know, is Jared Goff a realistic option long term? And I just don't think we're going to be able to make any kind of the Lions or us just as observers. I don't think we're going to be able to make any kind of real determination on that until at least we have one season of evidence here you know, to sort of go off of. So for me, it's like, I look at it in pieces. Like, I think your run game could certainly be something to be like super excited about and happy about if you can get that solved. But the whole offense, I, it's still going to be a little early, you know, probably to make a full uh, observation on that one. I mean, I don't think it's out of the question to think that they could be like Minnesota-esque probably, on yeah. offense. Be solid, you know, like, you know? like a Cousins, a quarterback who can get the ball down the field and and make some, you know, make some all right decisions. And they brought in Justin Jefferson last year, and he blew up. And they have yep. Dalvin Cook, and they had Kyle Rudolph for all those years. And then uh, Irv Smith looks pretty good for them. Like they've got a bunch of pieces there, and um, they're probably going to draft the tackle. The Lions are ahead of where the Vikings are on the offensive line, I think. Yep. So. Um, I think there's a possibility you kind of get in that range where you can your offense can keep you in games and right. the problem is yeah <laughs> you know, the other side yeah obviously I don't know if you'll be able to tell if the offense is that much better if you're giving up 50 a game still, at some so. point you're gonna have to kick the ball to the other <laughs> like, team I, yeah like, so I don't know I mean. There's some pretty yeah. good like arena football offenses back in the day that you wouldn't have necessarily talked about them because the games were finishing 63 to right. 45. So I I don't know. Um, but I do think that there's a chance. Like I, I I've said I I think Jared Goff could be a pretty decent quarterback in this scheme with the pieces they put around him. You know, you're you're not getting Matthew oh, yeah. Stafford, but I think I think he could be a productive quarterback. We've seen him be productive in the NFL. I think they've given him some guys that can work with what he does well. So. Yeah, you drop in anytime you have an elite set of offensive tackles, you have a chance to be pretty right. good on offense. And so All if you put in. Decker with another guy like that, and you've got Ragnow, I mean, we get, kind of keep overlooking Ragnow. You've got uh, an yeah. all pro center. Like uh, you have three guys at least that are, are you know, top 10 in the league, maybe at their position. Like that's gets you a like, lot of the way on offense. I'm an offensive line homer and everything else, and uh, everyone knows this by now, I assume. And if you don't, then now I've admitted it to you again. Yeah, but you like, go, so yeah. I, I get, I get that you know it's not, it's a uh, quarterback is the most important thing, right? You have to have quarterback. You're not going anywhere. But number two on that list is offensive line. You are not going anywhere if you can't protect your quarterback or run the ball. And as we've discussed many times here like Jared Goff's best years with the Rams were when they had a good offensive line like when they were able to protect him he did everything he wanted and obviously the scheme was good and McVay deserves all the credit for that but like when they were able to keep him standing upright and they had some semblance of a run game that you had to respect Jared Goff was a very good NFL quarterback the Lions are not that far away from having an offensive line that should be able to protect the quarterback and run the football. Frank Ragnow is maybe the best center in the league. Taylor Decker is a long-term answer at left tackle. Is he the best left tackle in the league? No, but he's fine. Sewell, you know, we've <laughs> talked about him. Jonah Jackson, we've talked yeah. about him. And if you could get one more guard in there, I'm telling you, like this, it would surprise you. I mean, it would take off and it would be something that I think would cure a lot. You'd, you'd look up at the end of the year if you're a casual fan and be like, well, how, how are they... Why do they look so much smoother? Why do they look like they're in less... Well, it's the offensive line. Like, that's the whole thing. So, 
Right. If you have an opportunity to fix that once and for all, like that's what we're saying all the way to the back to the beginning of the show here today. Like it's hard to pass on that. And I think that that's certainly something to note because it impacts everything you do. It just does. And that's why the question, Andy's question is like, if you can fix that two starting tackles, come on. Like yeah. you can't argue with that. You can't, you have to get real nitpicky after that point. And I think Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia tried to fix it and didn't know yeah. how to do it. And I think part of the reason they did is because, you know, we, we talk about the NFL kind of going in cycles. And I think right now they saw, and I think there still is a window to take advantage of every defense in the league going with lighter, yeah. faster guys. Right. If you can just clobber people up front and a team is built on, you know, six foot, 220 pound linebackers, there's not a whole lot they're going to be able to do to slow you down if you're that good right. in the trenches. And so I think that there is an opportunity there for the Lions to kind of to kind of zig as everyone else is zagging here and and build this thing from the, that five inside and and the play action and the run game and and maybe have something and, and th- this will carry me into the next question here from Tim Moore, which uh, you know obviously the draft will play a big part and making predictions in, is the worst, but in your opinion, how long will this <laughs> rebuild take? Would a successful rebuild at this point mean the playoffs? Hmm. How long would I mean, it long term, yes. Yeah. Well, right, yeah. They got to... <laughs> yes, Eventually, a successful rebuild yes. would probably include playoffs and a playoff win, I would playoff probably, win would probably be nice. I mean, I think this year, I, I don't know how... How would yeah. you judge success this year? Right, I mean, has your, time, has your time frame changed since no. the no. day Brad Holmes was hired? No. It's a great question, though, because that's a fast and it's, it's something that I think for everybody, you're going to have to determine your own, you know, as a fan or whatever, your own sort of gauge on this, because I think that you're going to have to look at it in pieces. I think that you're going to have to look at we're going to have to see who they draft and see, you know, sort of realistically where they're going with this. And then as you watch this, like, I think you'll be able to like if they get a good young safety, right? Like if they get, you know, uh, Morig from where what's he Kansas State, Kansas State T- or TCU, TCU. Sorry. if they get a good safety and they pair him with Walker and everything else on defense is kind of shaky but by the end of the year you're like man those two guys are really working well together and it's working like they're they're improving it's getting there like I'm going to be able to overlook if the linebackers are still struggling and you haven't fixed this on whatever up front yet but if those two safeties okay check that one off the box if you go through the season and you say Safety is in a better situation than it was. Linebacker is in a better situation than it was. Defensive tackle is in a better situation than it was. Like, if you go down the list and you say, even if you're not winning games, but those positions that we know were so bad on that team last year are in better hands, then I think I, I would determine year one as a, as a success. You go into year two, and that's when it starts to become, you know, like it's got now we need to see some more wins. I wouldn't look at this necessarily as a win loss situation. It would be more about, you know, as you go forward with some of the the newness, like how is that developing together sort of in concert? And I think that's how I would look at it. I would just piece it out and say, are you getting better in many areas or are we looking around saying, boy, I'm still seeing the same stuff. And I think that that's how I would judge it. But I, it's a curious question because I don't know. I mean, NFL yeah. fans want to see wins. They don't, you know, it's not college. <laughs> so, like, I get yeah. that too. I don't know. I mean, what's your sort of uh, approach on that one? Yeah, I mean, I, it's. I think it's tough because I think it's going to be different for every individual person, and I think it's. It also sucks as we've talked about that yeah, it's happening right. for every team in Detroit. Like the Pistons are eighteen and forty, yeah, and you're going to come out of this season, yeah, right? You're going right. to come out of this season saying, "Well, that that wasn't too bad. That yeah. was our, like was the young watchable. guys look good. Yeah, They've got right. some draft picks. Like this seems right. like it's headed in the right direction." And so, if the Lions go four and twelve, four and thirteen, I guess now that we have yeah, the seventeenth game. You know, game. If you go four and thirteen, but Swift puts up fifteen hundred yards from scrimmage, and right. Hawkinson continues to develop, and the line, you know, keeps you in some games, like I don't know. You've got. I mean, for me, I think the rebuild window, the the rebuild, quote unquote, has to be. You have to be into the next phase by the time these Stafford picks are up. That's correct. By the time you're done with those twenty twenty three dra- early round draft picks. Yeah. You have to be thinking, how do we get to the playoffs? So you've you got have to be, yes, 100%. Two, two years from next week, really, in my yeah. mind, <laughs> to where you have to figure out how you get this thing from, you know, 
three, five, five and eleven to a right. new regime to tearing it all down to being a contender. So you've got two years. You got a two year window. You've got five first round draft picks. You've got you know a, a bunch of young guys that should be contributing. I think you got two years. That's for me. Yeah. That's the window I'm looking at. If you're, we're sitting here on uh, April 21st of <laughs> 2024, and they have a top 10 pick. In, <laughs> I don't yes. know. You're probably talking about a new coach again. I would so. think so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's 100%. I 100% agree with you because you say, okay, you have the draft next week. You have the 2022 draft with all the extra picks that you have. Uh, when they leave the 2023 draft and wrap it up and final bell, okay, we're closed for business on the 20. They had better. They need to be able to go into that spring prepared to push for a playoff spot. Like that's that's I think how it should be looked at at this point because I think that works with Goff's contract too because it's like we'll we'll know right. so much yeah. more about their determinations on where they're going uh, before then. But like by the time that's the drop dead, like the rebuild and, for me is has to be completely over by the time the 2023 draft is closed. And that also gives you two off seasons where you have some money to spend too, mm-hmm. which is the th- like this year was just like, let's get, give me everything Bob Quinn did and yeah. throw it in that trash can <laughs> and then burn it. Yeah, right. And then, <laughs> and then next year we'll worry about the cap. We'll have some money. We'll go spend. We'll find some free agents that make sense. Uh, right. And so I think that that gives you two off seasons to do that too. So that, that's the window for me. 2023, two years from next too, week, yeah. I think is where you need to be. Um, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I don't think that's aggressive, right? I don't think that's anything that's like, I don't think so. I mean, not in the, not, not in the NFL where, where you're, it's supposed to be all about parody. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. you've got to be able to turn it around fairly quickly. Uh, I did want to ask this one from Hunter uh, at NC Hunter 8. Uh, what can the Lions do to bring out the same old Lions crowd? <laughs> I guess people are fairly oh, yeah, satisfied at the moment. So yeah. what can they do? What happens <laughs> I, in this draft to make people think, oh, my God, here we go again? What a, what a, what a question. Like, because I read that question as like, I read it wrong at first. And I read it as like, what can the Lions do to get rid of the same old Lions crowd? And then nope. I read it again. I'm like, bring it's back. not what he's asking. He's asking. What can they do to get them back to wake them up? <laughs> um, yeah, God, I don't. I mean, I guess for a portion of the people that we heard from, they could draft Kyle Pitts. That would be probably yep, number 100%. one. <laughs> um, they could draft Mac Jones. I don't think people would be all all about that. Um, I don't know though. Like, I feel like it'd be hard uh, for them to go through this draft unless it was completely insane. Unless they. Unless they take one of those second round picks or the first second round pick and take a guy that you've never heard of that would have been there in the sixth, that would be a way to do it. Which, right? To buy, right? Yeah, right. Oh man. But other than that, um, I kind of feel like this one's that you know honeymoon draft that like it would be hard to screw this one. I mean, even if you can't trade, right? I don't know. I don't know if there's a specific scenario. Do you have a draft situation, or would it go beyond that? Right, like. Uh, would they have to spend money on somebody or anything else? That- yeah, I think it'd be hard before we get into the season. I could see it happening pretty quickly in the season. Yeah, yeah, right. um, if they're 0-3 oh, yeah, and they blow three leads in the second decision. half. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Uh, in the draft, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be Pitts, maybe Mac Jones. I, cornerback, maybe? Oh, like if you point. take yeah. another top 10 cornerback Certain and or yeah. you pass on the wide receivers and the offensive linemen, like I could – that. That to me feels like the one, mm-hmm. as good as those cornerbacks are. That to me feels like the one that uh, would sort of be out of left field. But yeah, I don't know. I think that you get it. I hope you get at least one, <laughs> one draft as a new GM uh, before Where people, people like are it. Yeah. just burying <laughs> you. Um, I, I don't know. I again, I could see it happening pretty quickly once the season starts. But I, I feel but like I this would, draft yeah. would be hard to totally muck up. I would also say though. That he has an opportunity to keep this SOL crowd quieter for longer. Because, like, if <laughs> Brad Holmes yeah. comes into this draft and just goes along at however many picks they have and takes the clear best player at every spot, people are going to be like, oh my God, build him a statue or something. Because it never <laughs> happens. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, we never see that here. We see these, like, why are they taking this guy in the third when they he was probably not going to get drafted? Like, you know, that kind of thing, right? So, like, just take the best guy at every stop, and I think people will 
this will carry over. I, I think that you'll be able to squeeze out more of the positive vibes for longer than you think if you can just do it. Just stay the course, take the right guy, take the best player. And then, like you said, like the season, yeah, there'll probably be something that happens probably pretty early <laughs> that gets everybody fired up. But, like, whatever. By that point, that's just, you know, that's just football. You live with it. Yeah. And, again, I think it's important to note that pretty much everything that's happened since they fired Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia has been different than it how has. they've handled everything before that. So. Yeah, I I don't know how you bring, I don't know how you completely get out of the same old Lions situation yeah, other than just like lot, winning yeah, the right. Super Bowl. <laughs> right. um, but you know, I, I think again, as we've talked about, they've tried to do this differently, and so and I think they'll approach this draft differently. I think they'll approach free agency differently, and, and so we're not going to know on May second whether this worked or not. You know, it's going to take a while, and I think. I just- I think anyone at this point that you draft, again, they just need so much that I yeah. think you can make an argument for yeah. anything at any point in this right. draft, yeah. frankly, and and you could go with it. It's just so funny, though, because like, like Hunter asked this question, like, what can they do to bring out the SOL crowd? And everybody like knows what he's talking about and knows what he means. And I just wonder sometimes, like, do you think like... Rod Wood and <laughs> Sheila, these guys have this conversation like, man, we've got to do anything we can to keep these people. <laughs> like, just keep them smiling for as long as we can because when they turn, it, you guys have no idea what you're about to see if they if this what's SOL th- crowd comes back. Yeah, is Dan Campbell like, what does SOL mean? Is that a is that a thing? What's the uh, over-under? <laughs> like, say week one's a home game. What's the over-under yeah. for when people booed, boo Jared Goff for the first time? <laughs> How I many would minutes say into the opener? Jared Goff is probably not going to get through his second interception <laughs> uh, as a line without a boo. <laughs> I would, I would, he might get one on the first, but he definitely won't get one on the second. I don't think this is going to be as bad, though, as like – I used to joke about this. It's not really that funny, but it's whatever. The Michigan quarterback would always get first incomplete pass, and then it was like, get rid of this guy, right? But <laughs> I, think, I, I think Jared Goff – like I used to joke with like uh, Spate about that. I was like, you know, the first one's going to be – and they're going to yank you. And then it was like, I think he threw a pick on his first on his first throw. And I was like, well, there you go. The whole crowd turns on him. But whatever. But like, I think it'll be different. I think he'll get a little bit more. But that's a great question, too. Because I have heard, we've seen Lions fans uh, defend him on Twitter. I've seen a lot of that so far. Uh, more than I thought I would. I've seen a lot of Lions fans who are like, screw this. He's terrible. But I've seen more than I thought I would say, hey, I think he's pretty good. I'm going to give him a I shot. Think there's, I think there's more hope. Yeah, in the fan base right now than there has been in a long time. From what I, yeah, you know better Matt than Patricia's, I. But, yeah, probably since Patricia's first game imploded against the Jets on Monday night. <laughs> Do that, Dan Campbell, and you can uh, like, get the same old line. The opposite of that, I feel like that's this is probably the most hope there's been since maybe that moment. Maybe when they like had the Chiefs on the ropes, yeah, like that was right. the moment in the Patricia era where it felt like everyone seemed like they maybe right. were buying into it. Yeah. This feels like there's yeah. hope that they can get it right. So I, Lions I don't know. fans <laughs> will be there for it, whether they complain or not, until you give them a reason not to be. Like that's my like they always complain, they always whatever, and that's just part of whatever. But they will be there on September whatever day, right? And we know it. They'll be there, glued to TV, or if they're allowed to go inside, they'll go inside. It's just a matter. Oh of Oh yeah, hope. especially this year. If you can have yeah. crowds back in there, yes. like just the fact that they weren't there last year, yeah, I feel they'll like be there's back. A- yeah, I window. Like, you're right. I think there's a, a definite opportunity here for Brad Holmes to yeah, I agree. just completely win people over with this draft class. So. Because if you win them over, like that's the thing about Detroit. Dan Campbell said it in his, in his intro. He knows that he played here. If you win these fans over, they will fight for you until you give yep. them no reason to. And sometimes you will surprise yourself for how long they're willing to ride out with you. Like that's... What I would say about, I've been here a long time. We both grew up here. Like, that's Detroit sports fans. They will ride with you if you give them a reason to. And they'll do it for longer than you probably realize. But, like, you got to give them something. So, like, that's that's the whole thing as they go into draft one here. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, people still talk about, like, like John Kitna is still a I guy mean, people love here. Yeah. They'll, <laughs> like, they'll, they'll go on it with you. Yeah. Anyone who will go out, uh, yeah, you're right. So uh, we don't need to rehash the (laughs) Detroit uh, fan base mentality. But yeah, you're right. I think this is an opportunity. Do you want to hit any more before we uh, close up shop here? We're already Uh, 
Uh, well, last one from Fletch. This is a fun one. Uh, what jersey number did Dan Campbell decide on? <laughs> <laughs> we could get eighty-eight for Dan Campbell. Uh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got, well, now you can. <laughs> you what, can wear. If, I don't know. Though. You, yeah. yeah. Right. If you could wear, if he was playing in the arrow, you could wear whatever he wanted. <laughs> I think he probably still would have taken a tight end number, right? Like probably. Although he, I've noticed that Dan Campbell is a big fan of the. Uh, Mid '90s uh, long sleeve tee under the short sleeve tee. Have you seen? Have you noticed this? <laughs> yeah, like okay. it's been it's been nos- it's been nostalgic. Every Zoom that we've had uh, since his opener or his press his opening press conference that he's been in the uh, like I feel like Dan Campbell's probably a big grunge guy. Like the long sleeve tee and the short sleeve uh, shirt <laughs> over the tee. Like maybe yeah, that'd be his uh-huh. move. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we did get one asking if you have a, do you have any Ford field, uh, food you're looking forward to once they reopen everything? I don't really, we oh, don't, we don't want really no, to get to eat any. there. Probably some of that Thanksgiving food would be the move like cause, uh, or the buffet if they could ever bring it back. I don't know if they'll be able... The food actually was, uh, yeah, better this year with the prepackaged food than it was usually. What did we get the for, stuff uh, fresh. did we get the slows at all last year? I don't remember. I feel like I we, we did. Maybe got the slows once. We did we not get? Oh, it? we, we did get. get it. The, we did get it. Yeah, we the did. slows once. Like the coney. There's yeah. usually the coney dogs are always there at the end of the game. Yeah, there's always the slows one. The right. Thanksgiving Day feasts. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't. We. I don't really get down into the. No. They yeah. did <laughs> used to do. I don't know. Maybe they'll bring it back this year. The the taste of Ford Field like festivities right. like before All the, the season stuff. where you can go. Yeah. Just taste. Just try everything. That was right. always good. But yeah. I, that's about as much of the. I think I went down once and bought food because they get it for a preseason game because they served us like oh okay yeah. frozen <laughs> Chinese food dinners and it was the where wrong, did you find like, these the, yeah right <laughs> I just didn't the chicken was the wrong color yeah, <laughs> so right. I went down and got a sandwich or something but uh, that's about as much of the Ford Field food as I get to sample no that's a Kyle Mikey question uh, and we'll let him answer that <laughs> yeah right if that's we ever true. get back in the media room and they bring out all the uh, Thanksgiving feast food. We'll, uh, we'll yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, we, uh, went a little long today, but we haven't been, been here for a couple of weeks and a lot to cover, obviously. So, uh, we'll, uh, I think we're going to try and squeeze one more in next yeah. week before the draft. And then, uh, we'll get something after the draft to recap. So, uh, back on a semi-regular schedule here for a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, we'll be like the rest of you and like the rest of the players and coaches kind of just waiting to see when, uh, players are going to be back in the building and if the media is going to be back in the right. building and all these sorts of things and if we're doing Zoom calls for another year or how this is all going to work. So, uh, But yeah, again, we'll be back next week. We'll probably take, we've got another mock draft, uh, our last one coming out next week. We've got a uh, Lions big board coming out next week. So we'll go through some of those things, maybe make some picks here, mm-hmm. go back and forth a little bit and then recap everything And uh, after it's all done. So yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, one week, just about until the draft. And Gird your loins, it's ex- everyone. It's exciting, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it works out for everyone involved. Uh, we can talk about some fun things afterward, and people, maybe the same old Lions fans will stay away for a little bit longer. But uh, <laughs> So subscribe, uh, rate, review the show uh, on uh, you know, Google Podcasts, Apple, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we, do, as we really do appreciate those of you who have reached out uh, and told us you like listening to the show, and especially those of you who have asked for more shows, which yeah, is part of why we're going to try and squeeze yeah. some more in here. Uh, and then, you know, as we get closer to the season, um, it'll be back on, you know, our, our weekly schedule like we were last year. So, uh, we, yeah, definitely appreciate all that. So, uh, make sure you get over to theathletic.com too. We got a ton of stuff up. Lions draft coverage, as mentioned, you can get Dane's draft guide only with a subscription, and that thing is. <laughs> worth the subscription alone so yeah. uh, head over to the athletic and do that and uh, we'll be back again next week so thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.